Welcome to Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston. Here's where I get to talk to amazing people from all over the world who are making a positive impact and discuss topics in every single area of life. The sky's the limit. Some might be a little controversial, but eh, we don't shy away from them because everyone I speak to is coming from a good space. So it's an opportunity to learn a lot and expand your mind. This week's awesome and inspiring guest is Dylan Gambardella. Ooh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Who had the pleasure of meeting at the Next Gen Summit in Philadelphia. I was throwing at the end, but I'm so glad. Shout out to Dan, Dan Schneider in Philadelphia. Well, he lives in New York, but he set me up and it was amazing. But before we introduce Dylan, let me tell you about him. Dylan is a 20, oh my God, he's only 22, smack me in the face. 22-year-old entrepreneur. I thought he was much older, but not because you look it, you're just mature, speaker and leader. He is a 2017 wonderkind and a Duke University, oh, I love them, University Melissa and Doug Scholar, and aims to support innovation by providing the resources for young people. Oh, my God. They need to change the world? The resource for young people need to change the world? That's awesome. Dylan, how are you? Sandy, it is such a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the exciting introduction. I can't wait to dive in today. I know. So we met in New York. This is, do you want to hear about something funny? So here he is. He gives me the address. We meet last week in New York and I'm sitting next door at the same address while he's in the coffee house and we <laughs> can't find each other. And he's literally next door. It was the funniest thing, but you know, that just goes to show you, we, we didn't, we didn't need that much time. We connected instantly, Dylan. Right. And pro and tip for anybody awesome. who's setting up a meeting in New York Put the name of the place along with your address because there are multiple of the same address in Manhattan. So we've learned our lesson. I know. never have that again, but it's so great to see you in person and now speak with you today. I know. And by the way, he I was up there to do a speaking engagement at NYU, but I also took a lot of fitness classes. I did not, though, because it got crazy for me with lots of great meetings, but I took a lot of classes, but I did not take your boxing class that you recommended. So tell me about a little before we get started. I want to know how you got into the boxing. I'm um, sorry you didn't get to go, but that gives us something to do next time you're up here. Okay. Uh, I started boxing with a friend of mine when we were looking for a, a new fitness activity. I had done the spin classes, the hit, high interval, high intensity interval training, everything you name it, right? And across Manhattan, there's a multitude of options. And boxing was something I never had tried. And I thought, why not? And I started with a class, ended up going to shadow box too, and did everything along those lines and fell in love with the mix of uh, really hard, hard fitness training, but also technique. And for me, I'm a very competitive guy. I grew up playing sports my entire life. And yeah. boxing was a new challenge for me. It was a new opportunity to get good at a skill that I had never practiced before. And I quickly realized my shoulder strength was not up to par and holding my hands in front of my face for an hour straight it's probably the hardest thing that anyone will do in their lives. It's and, exhausting. Uh, it's exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. But it gets you up, right? And, and yeah. you go to yeah. the gym at 7.30 for a one-on-one -on -one training session, and the rest of your day is absolutely perfect. And there's yeah. no better way to get started. I agree. So I that kind of makes sense how you said I was always so competitive in sports. But here's the thing I find about you, and maybe I'm wrong. I see – that competitiveness, which is amazing, you know, you know, in business, but you also seem like the kind of person that would shake the hand. I don't know. I could be wrong across the thing and say, you know, congratulations to, you know, great game. Right. Right. I don't know. Most certainly. 
Yeah. Cause you see like that kind of guy. Yeah. And I appreciate that, Sandy. And, and I'm sure my mom and dad would also appreciate that. Um, <laughs> you know? Cause that's important, right? And competition is fun, but end of the day, if someone else wins and I don't come out on top, whether it's business or sports or yep. something silly and frugal, right? When it doesn't matter what it is, but yep. it's important to appreciate the the journey and the actual uh, competition and the event, whatever you're doing. And yep. that stays true. You know, the final buzzer would sound if I wasn't on top, that's okay. We'll get them next yep. time. But yep. if you're not going to respect the actual game and the actual field that you're operating in, then why are you playing in the first place? I love that. Right. And it makes you stronger and better. It makes me want to, you know, do more. Oh, yeah. The largest learning experience in my life have all been from failure, right? And everything that arises from when I don't win, when I don't succeed. And that has been true so much so in the business world, but obviously has its um, applicability in the athletic competition or whatever school academics, you name it. All right. So, Dylan, I have to ask you, are you out of school a year? Because you're like 22. I'm out of school one year. Yes. I graduated Duke one semester early to dive into this uh, real world, quote unquote, business life. Okay. So now... Because I have to tell you, you are one, like I've had some high school kids on, but you are one of the most established young person, which I'm sure you know, uh, that has been on Let's Keep It Real. So what the heck? What kind of family did you grow up in? And I want to kiss them. I mean, like what went (laughs) on? Like, did you have other siblings and where'd you live? And you know, what did they do every day? You know, I mean, I just need to know, like, how, what do your parents do? Let's start with that. Like, how are they growing up? I'm so happy you asked, Sandy, because it is the the most singular important reason as to why I am where I am today is due to my parents and my older sister. Uh, my mom and dad, Ronnie and Tom, are both in education. Uh, so I grew up in Westchester, New York, just about an hour north of Manhattan in New York City. And oh, yeah, my yeah. father was a high school principal. Uh, and my oh. mom was a school psychologist. And, and so she was at one point running the New York City Board of Education's Department of School Psychology. And so for me, coming home and not doing my homework was never an option, right? I was obviously <laughs> in the academic mindset from day one. I had an older sister who is five years older than me, and she was my largest role model. <laughs> She'll joke that she would set the bar really freaking high, and then I would go out and raise it. Uh, but that was kind of my goal, right? I wanted to always do the best I could for my family and for a group of people who gave and have given their entire lives to my success and are always in my corner. Um, my parents joked that coming to a next-gen event today is the equivalent of attending every single basketball game my entire life beforehand. And so this is just the the latest form. And and they wouldn't miss a basketball game no matter what was going on. Both my parents worked in uh, different times in their careers in Queens, Long Island, or New York City. And the commutes were sometimes up to two hours with traffic. And yet they'd be there for tip-off every game. And if for some reason they were late, they were beyond apologetic with a a million uh, apologies and everything in line and in tow. Um, but I'm so thankful for them and the example they set. And family is the number one most important thing to me. You know, despite how busy being an entrepreneur yeah. is, I always yeah. will make time to uh, let them know how much they, they mean to me and spend the, the time that they deserve. Oh, my God. You're going to make me cry. And I'm not supposed to cry on this thing, Dylan, because you have to understand. I mean, I, I think, well, I think you do. I mean, there are a lot of great families out there, but there's also a lot of rough stories. And sometimes, you know, when I talk to people that have done great things in the world, a lot of them, you know, came from broken homes and all that. So it's so inspiring for me to hear that, you know, and it sounds like you loved, loved your childhood. Oh, without a doubt. I had the best childhood. And Sandy, to your point, that is beyond, beyond true. Um, I feel that there are two factors that really are the most influential in somebody's success in this world. 
Um, and, and these are not anything new, right? You've heard them before. It's where you're born, with the country yeah. and, and area you're born into, yeah. and then the start you get from your family. And I was given the two largest blessings in the world by being born to Ronnie and Tom Gambardella in New York, United States. Um, and I feel it's part of my life mission to make sure that I can do everything possible to help those chance factors, chance occurrences that are out of our control be less of a deciding factor in your ultimate success. And so that the young person who maybe has the exact same ambition, the same characteristics, the same drive and motivation that I have, but maybe she or he is in a country that doesn't have the economic development that we do here in New York, uh, they should have the same chance of success as I do. And let's be honest, that's not the case today, right? Yeah. But I, I want to yeah. make it part of my life's mission to at really? least get closer to that point where it doesn't matter where you're born. It doesn't matter the circumstances you grew up in, yeah. at least to a certain level, you can achieve success and follow your passions and follow your dreams. And we got a long way to go, but next gen is a starting point to getting yeah. there. And you know what? I, I was mean down before we went on air, I was talking because normally I wait till I know somebody a little longer, but I was so inspired by him and I couldn't figure, I mean, of course, you know, you're amazing. Great. But I thought, hmm, this would be really good for some of the workshops, you know, that I do with the younger generation. And now I even understand it more because it's really important to have different backgrounds and different stories to inspire people. So the fact I love where you're coming from and that you're so appreciative and grateful and you're putting it out there. And, and you still want to give back to the world and, and you and th that you can hear it in every vibe of your being that you don't take anything for granted. And my is the completely opposite of, you know, well-meaning, growing up in the projects, pulling myself up from the bootstraps, completely opposite story. But both stories still come to the end result. Do you know what I mean? And that's why. I think it's so important that you have different messages out there. It doesn't matter. You know, some people say, oh, I, by the way, I just had my girlfriend say to me, Sandy, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And she's much younger than me. And she's like, you know, you have a story, you know, and it's gut-wrenching and other people have stories. And that seems to be the most successful people in the world. They all have these gut-wrenching stories. I grew up in an awesome home and I said, oh my God, I was always going to say her name. And I said, Betty Boop, that's not true. Don't use that as an excuse. There's a lot of people that came from amazing homes that are doing amazing things. Right, Dylan? Right. Most certainly. And I think that diversity that you speak of, having those voices at the same table is the most important thing we can do, whether yeah. it's at a, a team, right, from a planning perspective, from advisors, or at a conference, a networking event, you name it. Whatever discussion, if we want to have the most fruitful and productive day, we need to have people from different backgrounds. That yeah. comes from race, gender, religion, culture, socioeconomic levels, you name it. Like, that is so important to create those different perspectives. And that way you can have an, an audience that can pull from what they most relate to, right? And, yeah. and influenced by, maybe I'll, I'll take that piece that Sandy said, that piece that Dylan said, and that piece yeah. that so-and-so added. Yeah. And together we'll get our cumulative puzzle, right? But it's yeah. about putting those pieces together and having the multitude of options available. Yep, I agree. All right, so I have to ask, why'd you give up basketball? Or do you still do it? You know, that's a, that's a fair question, and I think my answer lies in the middle. I, I still like to play when I can. Pick up uh, games. But for me, pick up games and, and with my friends for the most part, informal these days. Uh, but I grew up, basketball was probably the uh, one lineal factor that I, I continued from day one throughout high school and even into college. Um, but when I, I got to high school, I had a lot of things pulling for my attention and different projects 
from science research to starting a business and really just exceeding academically. And basketball, yeah. by the time I finished high school, it was for me a something I was really passionate about, but I knew there was an end date on it, at least from a, a main, you know, any career type of potential, right? And uh, when I had that realization, I thought about what playing basketball at a division one level and, and really committing to it would uh, would mean. And that would probably take away from opportunities elsewhere. And especially would mean that I couldn't go out and start a company, let alone a, a thriving organization and network, right? And that was a decision that I, I was very hard and I don't think I came into it on my own. And I asked a lot of people and, and asked for advice constantly and only with time figured out the best answer and the best balance. But I, I learned the importance of saying no to areas that weren't going to be my main focus and finding ways to still supplement those skills and those activities I loved and enjoyed into my life, right? And so that means waking up early, going to box on a, on a Wednesday, but then going to the meeting yeah. at 8 a.m., right? Whatever it is, or yeah. finishing up early on a, on a Sunday so I can go join my friends in the park for a basketball game. Um, but fitting those pieces into what is going to be my mainstay. And at that time, I chose to focus on academics and focus on growing a business. And uh, unfortunately, the basketball journey had to, at least from a, a, a real tried and true perspective, yeah. Yeah. come to a, a halt, but it'll never end, right? It's always yeah. going to be something yeah. that's part of my life. And you know what? I relate to that a lot because I don't even know if I told you, but I was a dance major. That's what I went to college for. And right. it was totally different, you know, when I, the same thing. I And I say, oh yeah, I wasn't as good as the other New York City kids. But the truth is, I started really loving business, you know, and the human body and what it did. And it just, I always will have the dance in my life. I still teach dance classes and I did, but it's part of my business versus it being the main thing. And right. to this day, I don't regret it. It's like at the time it was hard. Like you said, it was really, really hard, but it was worth it. All right. So now Dylan, I swear to you, you must be 95 coming back on a 22 year old body because <laughs> I no, and I mean this, you know, well, first of all, I always think you cycle around, but that's my belief. We'll keep that for another podcast. But here's the deal. The thing, and this struck me, by the way, I don't even think you know it because I didn't get to come to one of the Silver Fox things that you were uh, a speaker, you were on the panel. And Dan's like, oh, just watch it a little bit. Uh, you know, I don't have, I have a tension span of a flake. But then I saw you on it and you were talking about, huh, which I think I have such and many, many entrepreneurs because we love so many things in a difficult time, picking and choosing where you're going to put your focus because you can't do it all. And you spoke about that. Well, you're talking back in high school, you were doing this. How the heck? How the heck do you make these decisions? Because even right now, you know, Megan's on the phone. My sister go, oh my God, Sandy, we can't, I don't want to do this. And I want to do that. And I want to do this. And she's like, you're going to be a wig nut again. You're going in too many directions. How did you get that skill? Like, where did it come from, dude? And you need to teach it. Yeah, it is the hardest thing in the world to figure out where you want to dedicate your time and then start saying no to anything that doesn't fit into those direct categories. People can't uh, you know, do that. It's hard to say no. no. Right. It, it's super hard, especially when it comes down to, when you think about it, it means that you're trying to be the best person possible, right? When, when people have trouble saying no, it's because they don't want to disappoint anybody else. They don't want to seem like a bad friend. They don't want to seem like a bad team member, classmate, you name it. So they want to yeah. say yes. And what yeah. ends up happening is you take on a million projects and none of them get done to the level that you would expect or really they, they deserve, frankly put. Um, and so saying no, when you f switch that mindset and think of it instead of I want to actually be the most productive person, whether it is, again, team member, classmate, you name it. 
I want to actually give 110% of my, my efforts. And I know I can only do that if I do say no to other things. Maybe that, that'll help people start to accept that mentality. Um, it's no, never going to be easy, yeah. right? You never want to disappoint people. Yeah. But if you think about it, instead of you're not going to disappoint, you're just going to help in a better sense. Then that, that came about for me. And, and that only developed when I would read people like Tim Ferriss and other really inspirational folks, the four hour work week being one of the first books I read yeah. in this self-development, self-help space. Oh, that's uh, and, a good one. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he, he speaks about how we can be our most productive and efficient selves. And frankly, doing a million things does not ever make sense with being the most productive and efficient self. No. Right? And that kind of no. stuck for me. And it's something that I've been figuring out as we go. I, I still have a problem with it. You know, I still overcommit and that yeah ultimately leads to either disappointment or failure or unhappiness or yeah. a lack of sleep, right? Or maybe yeah, all the above. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's and such a problem what? that if we can reduce it, let's do I it. I like that what you said, because oh, Dylan, I mean, I'm, sh I'm sure it's in your age group too, but it's a joke with everyone with me. I mean, I am busy and I do, I, I, I joke around a lot, but I am pretty focused. I, I mean, sometimes I do have too many passions and it is hard because I say, I have to say no, or, you know, to do someone's charity or come back to New York for Dan. I'm like, oh my God, I was just there. I can't come back on Sunday. And I feel so bad, but you're right. At the end of the day, I'm going to be more productive and fulfill my mission, which I know is going to be great for myself, my family and the world. And so I have to keep reminding myself of that. But I think what you said, I really want to write that down because you can't be the most productive and fulfill your mission, your dream and vision in the world if you're you're all over the place you can't and especially someone like you that has such a great mission you want to stay on target you know but i do think that most people like if the people get mad at you for not doing it which i have had people well then you know what they don't get me and that's not nice do you know what I mean cuz they know what kind of person you are i'm sure with you too right. right they know what kind of person you are that you really want to support them so if they got mad at you you'd feel bad but you'd think what the heck right right and i think if you say to somebody who might not respond in the ideal way you were hoping for after saying no and you explain to them why you're saying no well then they should respect that right and yeah. if there's someone who cares about you and is actually a friend or a colleague or anybody who you would consider helping and working with in the first place, if you tell them, look, Sandy, I can't commit to this to the level that I know you need and that you deserve. Ooh, and oh, I love it. Pass, Wait, say that again. That's, that's it, you know? Yeah. Right, right. And you tell them, this is for your benefit. I don't want to commit and then end up disappointing you. So I'm going to save us the three weeks of, of troubles and tribulations. And I'm going to say no today and allow you to go find the person that you need. Right. And, and then yeah. now you're helping them. Right now you're giving them a value add. And if they're mad at you after that, they're probably not somebody you want to be associated yeah, with anyway. Exactly. Exactly. But it's a start. Right. Is your family that way, too? I mean, were your parents that way? Most certainly. My parents instilled in me the concept of giving and helping from day one. Yeah. Uh, I was always the first to volunteer for uh, whether it was a philanthropic event or a charity or, or just giving back to my classmates. Because my parents taught me that was the right way to be a person, right? To be a human and a member of society. Uh, and that's just translated into different ways in my life. Yeah. And, and they always showed me the importance of whatever I'm doing to do it to 110% of my abilities. And never to be just involved for you know the resume item or to have my name on something. That's not how we go about life, right? And if I'm going to do something, I'm going to really commit to it and make sure that I can commit to it beforehand. 
I love that. I freaking, I got to meet, I know that you were at the next gen summit, but everyone was so brand new to me. You know, I don't, I don't remember them there, but I'm sure I will get to meet him. All right. So Most let's certainly. talk about next gen summit and cause nobody knows the story and Justin shout out because I first met him through Dan and he's in Philly. So did you guys go to college together or what the heck? So the story of how I met Justin is uh, one of my favorite to tell. Um, I went to sleepaway camp with a friend named Adam, and Adam went to high school and grew up with Justin. Now, Adam and Justin lived in Long Island. I grew up in Westchester, and for those not familiar with New York geography, we were about an hour and a half away. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we never really would have crossed paths otherwise. Now, one day, our junior year of high school, I went out and visited my friend Adam in Long Island, and he asked me if I wanted to go meet some of his friends and hang out with them for the evening. So I said, sure. I wasn't really expecting much. And uh, I went, met his friends, including Justin and a few other buddies, and nothing really happened. Right? We enjoyed meeting each other. I went home the next day, and, and that was that. Flash forward to the following summer, and I went to visit Adam again, and I met Justin for the second time now. And we started talking about the colleges we were applying to, our interests, our passions. And we were at this person's uh, party, house, whatever you want to call it, for about three mm -hmm. hours. And Justin and I were together in a corner talking for probably two hours and 55 minutes of those three hours. And we just knew at that time that there was something special here, right? We were very similar. We had the same passions, the same desires. We were even applying to the same schools. He was dead set on Penn at the time. I was definitely going to be applying to Penn, but I wanted to keep my options open, especially with basketball. And uh, we, we didn't really have any follow-up to that, but we knew there was something to be done. Um, long story short, he gets into Penn. I end up going to Duke and we say, let's, let's work on something together. Uh, we realized that we were both passionate and had this desire to work in that, uh, collegiate application field. And we started our first business together. We called it students for students. And for about a year and a half, two years, we're working to help high school students who are applying to college to meet college students at the very schools they're applying to. And the goal Woo! was to set up the high school students with, uh, maybe a head start in the application process by getting to know what might look good in an essay, right? By speaking to a student who was actually had applied to that school, gotten in and was now attending for a year or two, or maybe even three or four. And they can tell them, you know, this might be a good topic to look into. Let's do the research here and see if that essay will pan out, right? It was a very simple premise, simple marketplace, but we got to work together, made some money in the process. And That's had an awesome idea. You must've touched so many lives. I mean, yeah, we, and I would have loved that. We ended up working with over 120 clients in those two years, people from Cairo, Egypt to Argentina and, and everywhere in between. People wow, found wait, us on a minute, Facebook. wait a minute. So it wasn't just the United States? No, crazy how these things came about. But we ended up getting an email from a, a student who was applying to schools in the, in the U.S., but the student was from Cairo and had heard about our services and had obviously no idea really about the application process other than- yeah, That's even, you're right, even more- yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And and it worked out. That student ended up applying and, and getting into MIT. And I'm not going to take any credit for that, but it was really cool to have yeah. that story uh, yeah. through this process. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so keep going. So you did that for a year and a half, you said? Yeah, and that brought me into my first year at Duke. And Justin had decided to take a gap year from Penn while we were growing this business. And we started attending a lot of different networking events and going to conferences, meetups, things like that. Uh, as I mentioned before, New York City was in our backyard, more or less, before I ended up going to Duke in Durham, North Carolina. So we'd hop on a train, get into New York City, and spend a day meeting people. Uh, our goal was to find other business owners, right? people who we could learn from, tell our story to, get advice from, and ultimately impact our business. Um, but what we found when we went to these meetups and events 
everyone was probably about 35, 40. You know, we were about half the age of the youngest attendee being 18 and 19 ourselves. And that wasn't exactly the most beneficial to our immediate success. You know, these people yeah. had great stories, great tips and, and lessons, but they were all coming from established business perspectives, right? We wanted to meet people who were just getting started, people yeah. at the, the forefront, the, the onset of their journeys uh, and who we could grow with, right? Yeah. People like us, simply yeah. put. And it culminated in an experience at the Forbes Under 30 Summit. Um, Justin and I had applied to their pitch competition with our business idea, Students for Students. And ultimately, we're not chosen to pitch on stage, but we're invited to attend the event as a finalist in the pitch competition. Uh, still very cool to this day. Yeah, really and cool. So I skipped my first economics midterm at Duke and, and flew up to Philadelphia to join Justin at the event. And we get to the check-in for the kickoff party. Now, it's a big event thousand people. There are food trucks everywhere. They have uh, different vendors. Wiz Khalifa is headlining the, the concert. And we get to the check-in. We're not allowed in because we're not 21 and there's alcohol being served. <gasps> now, Justin and I said, take out your marker, put an X on our face, give us a pink t-shirt. I don't care. We just want to get in. We just want to meet people, right? Yeah. And ultimately, we end up waiting like an hour and a half outside before they take Justin, myself, and about six or seven other under 21 folks who were attending. And they put us in a room with a corner view of Wiz Khalifa that we could see from one window when he was on maybe the left third of the stage. And they brought up a couple bottles of water and some snacks and said, have fun, enjoy the kickoff party. <laughs> and, and that was kind of the, the, this can't happen anymore moment for us, right? That yeah. aha moment. Yeah. And in but that room- still pretty cool. Very cool, very cool. But we got to that moment and said, let's go host our own event. You know, forget this. Forget trying to find what we're looking for. Yeah. We have the vision. Let's create it. Right? Let's yeah. host the first conference for young entrepreneurs by young entrepreneurs. And that was the birthing point of the concept of NextGen. And the first NextGen Summit happened about nine months after that in Austin, Texas in the summer of 2015. And the mission has really stayed the same since. Let's be a, a value add and a resource for first-time business owners who need a little bit of help getting started. And that is really in simple terms what NextGen yeah. is here to do. No, and I love that. By the way, I love your opening because, you know, even I have trouble doing that, like saying, you know, what you're about, you know, it's so simplistic, but it says everything. And you're just the, the king of describing things, you know, that it's like, yeah, I get it. You don't have to say a lot. I get it. All right. So wait a minute. Why Texas? Because neither one's from <laughs> Texas. Very funny story. So we looked at a map and uh, the first half is that we saw Texas in the middle and thought we'd get both coasts if we picked some centrally located city. Uh, okay. What we did instead was alienate both coasts and focus on the middle of the country. No offense at all to Texas. Um, Austin was at the time and still is a very thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem yep. and ended up being one of the best decisions we made uh, starting there. And also it was very much so affordable relative to a New York City or a San Francisco, of course, Oh yeah, uh, which would be future locations. But um, starting in Austin was appropriate, you know, given who we were, what we were doing, what we were looking to build. And uh, it ended up going over with a few hitches, but ultimately well. So, okay. So tell them a little bit about, because I've been to one of these, tell them what goes on at one of these summits. Yeah, most certainly. So next gen, our events are all geared around connection, uh, forming collaboration and, and environments that are conducive to such meetings and, and education, right? So we'll have like a typical conference, we'll have speakers who come on stage and, and talk to you about their stories and their lessons and their takeaways. 
And that's fantastic, right? That's a really big part of what Next Gen Summit is about. Yeah. Um, speakers from Mitch Modell, the CEO of Modell Sporting Goods, a billion dollar company, but also speakers who are you know, 27, 28, have sold their first company or two and are working on their next venture, who can maybe give you even more applicable lessons about your day-to-day as a young entrepreneur. Yeah. And then what happens off the stage is really the magical part, in my opinion. So every attendee who comes to Next Gen, we ask you leading into the summit, where you need help, right? What are you working on that you can benefit from a mentor or an advisor or a sit-down session with? So things like sales, marketing, branding, you name it. And we'll take that information and then set up at least three one-on-one meetings for you with industry experts. And this past year in 2018 at Next Gen Summit, we had over 150 mentors who dedicated their time to meeting with these entrepreneurs one-on-one. And, and really helping them with their yeah. core issues and, and getting past those those uh, stumbles. And then the other part of Next Gen is the small group learning environments. So through roundtable discussions, uh, small workshops, all in that group dynamic, we want to facilitate these tangible takeaways that people can and begin the inspiration from a keynote and gain the one-on-one advice from a mentor and then apply that in a group dynamic right away that weekend. And so they're walking out of Next Gen Summit after three days not only with a thousand new friends and family members, but also with the education they needed to one up as an individual founder for their business, and then the connections in the network to go apply those skills through. So they can find their future customers, partners, mentors, you name it. Everything should stem from the people you're meeting that are in this room, to your left, to your right, in front of you, behind you, not only on stage, at Next Gen Summit. And that's what we're proud of, the quality of our attendees and who is actually in our doors. Yeah. I'll tell you, I got to be a mentor and it was the best thing. I had so much. I made so many connections there. You know, it was, you know, you think you're going for them, but I met the most amazing kids besides other people my age. And what I love, I just was listening to somebody tell me this, that, you know, you go to a lot of these workshops and this is true and I love them and they motivate you and you get pumped up and then you go out like after the one day, three day, four day, and you get in your car and you go back to your same thing. And the reason is, is because they're not giving you a lot of the tools. So what I thought of, and I wrote down that I felt from your next gen thing is not only was it networking and motivation and education, but you were giving them the tools. And that is so important of how to, you know, to be, you know, the next level entrepreneur. So I was so impressed. I just, and that was only me being there one day. And thank you so much. Yeah, no. And it needs to be all that. You you know what I mean? Because you had people from all, what he's saying is, so he did have the young entrepreneurs, which is great. You know, they're a little bit out there, but you can relate to them more. And that's amazing. Then, you know, you had the people in the field also there, which was great because they were lining up for like, wait, because those are opportunities for them too. And networking opportunities. And then as well as every area of different things, like whatever you wanted, there was a mentor for you. I don't know how long you plan. Like how long do you plan for one event and how many people does it take? Because it was amazing, Dylan. Amazing. I appreciate that so much, Sandy. And again, we're thrilled that you were able to be there and can't wait to have you in June at the flagship event. Um, So these, these regional events are amazing opportunities for us to go to a new city and find those talented young folks who should be in our network, right? Should be in this next gen family. Uh, but to answer your question, the Next Gen Summit, the flagship one in, in June every year in New York City, we spend about six months almost daily planning that event. And it takes a team of dedicated full-timers. Right now, we'll have five people in our core group at Next Gen Summit 
working on this event, the three-day event in June. And, and our goal is to have a thousand of the most talented young entrepreneurs from across the world okay. join us for the three All days, right. June 7th and 9th. All right. So wait, it's June 7th. I know we're going to put it at the end, but I just want to get that in there. June 7th through 9th. And how do they apply? Do they have to apply and get accepted? How does it work, Dylan? Yep. Every single person who wants to join the Next Gen Network and attend our events, we ask you to fill out a quick application. And the goal is to find out more about who you are as an individual. You don't have to be running a $10 million business or have sold your first company for nine digits. None of that is really crucial. Although, of course, it's nice for you and we're happy for you to support you in that sense. But we want to know about your motivations, right? Why do you want to attend this event? What do you think you can get out of it? Why, why community, right? Why a network? What's the power and connection? Um, those are the questions we ask. And if it's a fit for you and for us, we will invite you to join. And so the application for the 2019 event will be launching in January of 2019. And you'll have just about the, the five, six months to apply and join us in person uh, for that June 7th event. I love that. All right. Do you know where it's being held yet or that's not released yet? We will be in New York City in uh, downtown Manhattan. And okay. the venue will be releasing with the application and uh, we'll kind of hope to break the internet the same way that Kim Kardashian did last year, right? And uh, that's our goal when we launch. And we'll take over the internet with NextGen for a day or two and, and drive hundreds and hundreds of applications from day one. I love that. All right. So just so you know, this is the part where I always ask people, depending on you know what the age group is, what they want me to ask you. So I asked my Temple kids. All right. Yesterday I did a podcast with them. And you're ready for what they want to know? First of all, the first question they want to know is how the heck do they deal with the anxiety of stress of being a student in this day and age and working, going to school and dealing with all, this is a big question, everything going on in the world. How the heck are they supposed to do that, Dylan? As you said, it's a tough question. There's no one answer that applies to everybody, but the most, uh, I guess, helpful piece of advice I would offer is to find a support group, people who generally care about you, genuinely, excuse me, care about you and want to see you succeed and want the best for you. And that will be the group that you can grow with, but also more importantly, go to in times of need, in times of trouble. When life just gets too hard and there's too much going on, you need somebody who's in your corner that you can talk to and be that. real with and explain to. Yeah. For me, I'm lucky that in a large way, that's my family, right? yeah. my parents, my sister, I can call them up 24-7 and say, I'm having a bad day. I just need to talk to you. And they'll be yeah. there. Right? I have a partner, my co-founder, Justin. He's always there for me. Forget about the business, but for me as a person. Um, and I have a few core friends that I know will always be there for me, no matter what I need. And Justin and I like to joke, if you were to call somebody at 3 a.m. and say you need them to fly across the country to help you out, who's doing it? Right? And think about that. You know, For me, yeah. I can tell you it's my family. It's a couple of friends and, and maybe... Uh, one or two other individuals who would who would actually do that for me. Yeah. Um, if you think about that group, go form them and let them know how important they are to you today. Oh. Not when you need them, but let them yeah. know today when things are okay. Yeah. And then they'll be there for you for life, right? I and of course, you have to that. be there for them. Yeah. But that's uh, that's where I would start, and you know, it's not going to be easy, especially when it comes to balancing. Yeah. And things like saying no and focusing those certainly help prevent the yeah. the rough times, but. It's, they're always going to come. Right? You're yeah. always going to have a bad day, a bad week, and maybe even a bad month. Yeah. But it's about curbing the uh, bad weeks before they become bad months and before the months become bad years, right? And, and getting ahead of it as much as possible. 
I, I love that. I love that because I like the key word that you said. It's a support group. It doesn't have to be your relatives or your family. Like some might be fortunate. You form your own, right. you know, you form your own. And I, well, that's certainly. beautiful. Okay. Second question. Ready? They're sick of it, Dylan. They're sick and tired of hearing that millennials are lazy and soft. What the heck? They want to know what the heck and how can they change it? Even some of the professors say this to them and they don't feel the way. And I can tell you all the kids I've met, I'm not saying in every generation we have people, you know what I mean? But what's going on out there? Do you hear this or, you know, maybe because you're so beyond, you know, that area? I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly a real issue that people don't understand the millennial and Gen Z demographics and, and generations, I'd say. Um, things like wanting to switch careers are viewed by our elders, if you will, mm -hmm. as negatives, right? And probably a sign of laziness. But when you dig into it further, why people are switching jobs after two or three years, it's because they're, they want to do what they, what they care about, right? They're not going to settle. They're not going to accept yeah. a company or a role that isn't fulfilling their, their needs on professional levels, value levels, trust levels, you name it. And so then they're more likely to switch jobs. And that can be viewed as a lazy 20 something year old, right? Yeah. But in fact, it's not. So I, I'd say if anybody is getting accused of being a lazy millennial who doesn't care about anything other than Netflix and, and eating vegan or whatever, you know, the, the buzzword <laughs> is of the day, it seems like. Avocado toast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Avocado toast is probably one of the largest of the past two years, right? Mm -hmm. um, ask them what they mean by that, right? Dig in further and, and challenge them a bit and have a, a nice discussion about it. Because odds are you're probably talking about the same thing, one being a reason why millennials are lazy and one being why millennials are amazing. And yeah. it's just a different difference in perspective, right? And if you can talk yeah. about it and have discussions, I'm sure you'll come to a better understanding. Yeah. But it, it certainly does take a, a paradigm shift, if you will, in how we interpret the same actions. And it, it's funny. And there's a lot of human psychology out there that could speak to it well better than I can. Yeah. But I think people are also just a little um, wary of different behaviors. And, you know, when you talk about our parents, switching jobs every two years was not a common occurrence, right? Wanting no. to travel the world and be a digital nomad, that was unheard of in 20, 30 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. Yeah. And yet so many young people want to do these things today. Yeah. And, and so it, it takes a little bit of explaining, but I'm sure that if you give it time and, and the just uh, effort that it needs, you'll get to a, a common understanding. Yeah. And I think I love that you said that because you're right. It's the same thing. It's just a different perspective. And I do understand it a lot more because I have that entrepreneurial brain and I feel that everyone should love what they do, you know, to some extent, like you said, good, bad days. And you don't know that all the time. Like I have so many kids. It's hard. I have to tell you this because, you know, I own businesses and I go, it used to be years ago, a lot easier. People would stay with me 10 to 15 years. And now they'll come in my office and go, oh my God, Sandy, I've been here eight months. It's so long. And you're like, oh God. And it's hard for the business owner. So I'm giving you the perspective because you put a lot of training into it. But that being said, you can't know sometimes what it's like to have a job until you're in it, Dylan. Like as much as you imagine it until you're doing it, you know, they think they really want it. And then they go, yeah, that's not what I want. Well, I don't blame them you know, switch it out. But you can see the opposite end of it. Like the corporation go, wait a minute, I spent all this time training you. So somehow we have to figure it out together. I don't know the answer. You see what I mean? Most certainly. And I, I'm a big proponent of learning through experience. And I yeah. think that takes form in internships, vocational training, right? 
taking a little bit of a twist on education in its current stance, high-level education in particular, and allowing for more experiential learning opportunities. That's the key to, I think, solving these problems and allowing students and young people to figure out for themselves where they want to spend their time and their efforts. And as you said, maybe we can avoid the jumping around constantly, which hurts employers. And we can understand why someone would not like that if you're running a business and hiring people. Yeah. But it also doesn't, we don't want to hamper the actual talent from flourishing and being the most productive team member and, and, you know, employee elsewhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? It, it, you know, I see the other side of it too. So it, there, we get together as business leaders and I don't even want to tell you the story, but real quick, like I was at this huge, massive entrepreneurial convention and these people are amazing. All right. Amazing. Dylan, I don't want you to tell you the group and all like 250 successful entrepreneurs. And guess what the number one thing they complained about? They're interns. What's that? They're interns. Wow. And they're this, they don't show up. They're like, and I'm like, is there anyone that doesn't feel that way? <laughs> and there's my little hand. I'm like, what the heck people? I mean, seriously. And then I told my son and he's 15 freshman in high school. And he's like, mom, every generation <laughs> thinks the next generation is Looney Tunes to some extent right. because they don't do that. But then I start digging into it deeper. Like, Maybe I'm not saying, believe me, everyone has their share of, you know, good, bad, and ugly in every age group people, but I have amazing interns. I love them. I think they work their butts off. Right. Just maybe there's got to be a little bit more communication. Yes. You know, there's always going to be those who don't show up on time and do this and that, or maybe they're expecting too much for nothing. I don't know, Dylan, but it was crazy. There was 250 and that was one of the major topics. You know, and yeah. that's why I'm, I want them to listen to this because everywhere I go, I meet kids that I think are the hardest, most dedicated, caring people you ever want to meet. I don't get it, you know? So we got to change that philosophy. And if you met Dylan and his group of people, holy moly, you would change their <laughs> minds, you know? But you're right. I think it might be they want more. Like they get into it, like you said. And why would you want to stay if you have an option at a job that you hate 30 years later? And Dylan, a lot of my friends are that way. Yeah. You know, they, they're, at, they're at jobs because of the money and they never got out. So I think the younger generation was like, uh, yeah, not us. We're going to learn from you. And we don't right. want to, right? Right. Sandy, you know, I think it speaks a lot to your success with interns and finding team members speaks a lot to your ability to empower them in meaningful work that they actually enjoy. You're meeting them where they want to be. You're not asking them to meet you in a a different stance than what they care about, right? And your ability to morph the most creative and and effective work environment is why you're succeeding. And I'm sure why a lot of other companies complain about their interns because they're not doing that. And they're trying to change the way that these team members want to work as opposed to vice versa. When I view my mission as enabling our team members to do the best dang job they can. I love that. I love, I think you're right. I think it's, you know, you also, I think Dylan, I hate to say this and I love them all. You can get on the bandwagon. Do you know what I mean? You just get caught up in that. And then you just keep adding on, you know what I mean? Cause whatever you're thinking, if you want to go out to set out to think interns lazy, you will find them. But if you think interns, millennials, next gen are amazing, you're going to find them. And that's just my philosophy. All right. One more question. And then we got to go. All right. So we kind of touched on it a little, but how do you answer when you're sitting around their Thanksgiving table? I don't care what you say. 
your generation and maybe recreated it is soft. I don't get it. Mm. I don't even understand it. But even my son said, mom, aunt, so-and-so just said our whole generation, like our age group, you know, you guys are soft, like toughen up. And I don't see that. I think they're more in tune with their feelings, their emotions, they're expressing themselves. And even from a male perspective, I think that's great where maybe an older generation didn't feel as comfortable, especially males thinking that, but do you hear that? And they want to know how to defend themselves. I I most certainly hear that. And I think I would say that that comes down to having a higher capacity to care, right? And and a more uh, desire and a willingness to share our feelings and our, um, what what we feel about a brand and what we feel about a company and what we feel about people, right? And how we feel about them. Um, So I, I think it comes down to us being more willing to share with the world and be open. Um, which is a good thing, right? And of course, that mm-hmm. can be considered soft by people who can take offense to that and are not used to it. Mm-hmm. But again, it comes down to that generational thing that you, you mentioned your son brought up, where people are just not going to like things being different than the way they know, right? And if you live your life 40 years with the norm being, yeah. you, you know, take and you internalize everything, and maybe you go home and talk about it, but you certainly don't put it out there on Twitter, yeah. right? That's the world today. We live in such an interconnected world where every single thing is out there. Right. And if you want to put it out there and contribute, cool, go for it. There's a space to do that. Instagram content, you name it, right? Everywhere. But if you don't, it's kind of awkward to be in this world that is so open. And when we have even from the president down to our CEOs of public companies tweeting and, you know, shout out to Elon Musk for being one of the more avid people on there. Uh, it really is a communications thing. Right. And it's uh, it's funny. But I think that if you're going to call us off, that's fine. We're going to go change the world anyways. Right. That That's me. Yeah, uh, we're going to go do our thing. And so end of the day, we'll see uh, what, what the situation's like. But I'll see you next Thanksgiving, yeah. Uncle or Aunt, whoever's saying that. Yeah, I love that you said that, you know, because I agree. I find all the kids I meet care about the world. They care about the environment. They care about what's going on. They want to make a difference. Sometimes they're not sure how. I mean, I learn from them. Like, I can't, I, I almost was crying when I had a, you know, ended my temple gig because I felt like, you know, I was going to give, you know, some words of wisdom, but I felt like I learned so much from them and I want to keep learning from them. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, you just, can I write that down? That's so amazing. That you think that, and I like that what you said, what you said, we have to start listening to each other more, you know, especially forget the political views, the religious views, but even like the age gap and start knowing you can learn from each other people. Dylan, I learned so That's much today from you. I'm taking notes. I'm going crazy all over the place. But all right, we got to go. I got to wrap up. Is there anything it, you don't understand? I'm sitting here. I, I just want to, I'm so, I'm going to get upset. I'm so proud of you, Dylan. And I'm so happy for your family. And I'm so grateful that you're sharing this with kids because it's been so heavy. I'm going to get it together on my heart, what these kids tell me. And I know they're so amazing and beautiful. And I just want the world to realize that. So you've been such a gift to me. Can you talk? Because I'm getting emotional over here. Thank you so much, Sandy. And the work you're doing to enable conversations like this and to spread and uh, that feeling of hope and, and there's a better future when we go at it together, right? That's what we're about. That's what everything's about. What you just said, promoting conversation and, and, just even debate, whatever form it takes, but openness yeah. and having these real discussions across age groups, race, wow. gender, you name it. Yeah. That's how we get to the better future and the better tomorrow. And it's such a pleasure to be with you today. And, and I'll say this to anybody who's listening, 
if I can be helpful, if you just wanted somebody to talk to about your business idea or even to chat Duke basketball, you name it, I'm your guy. <laughs> Feel free to reach out. All right, I got it together, Dylan. I'm good over here. I'm breathing. So how how can they reach out to you? Tell them. You can find me on almost all social media platforms. I'm at Dylan, D-Y-L-A-N, Gambardella, G-A-M-B-A-R-D-E-L-L-A. Or okay. you can find out through NextGen, ngsummit.com is our website. You can apply to join the community, join our newsletter where you find out about our upcoming events and stay in the network. By the way, I just want you to know, I don't know if it's doing it there. It's snowing here in Philly. Oh, wow. We Not yet in New York, but it might be coming up our way soon. It's just light. It's so pretty. All right, Dylan, this has been awesome. I feel like it's a start of so many things. I, I think I can't say it enough. I'm so happy we connected, and I'm sure we will be getting together real soon in New York City. I can't wait, Sandy. Thanks so much for having me, and I can't wait to see you again soon.